What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Did you know that reading erotica can help reduce stress and anxiety? It does so by shifting tense physical effects like a rapid stressed out pulse to something more positive like pulse pounding of a sultry kind. From health benefits like this one to creativity, spice, and fun, erotica can bring on many benefits. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Lauren Emily, who knows about these perks not only from a reader's perspective, but as a writer. With Dr. Megan Fleming's help, we'll also weigh in for a listener who is seeking tips for better oral sex for her and her partner. If this episode entices you, please head to The Pleasure Chest, my favorite place to buy sex toys, lube, and more. The last week of February, the L.A. store is offering a free course on passion, intimacy, and sex conversations for couples. At the New York store, you can learn about cruising etiquette and threesomes. In Chicago, get the scoop on kinky creative blowjobs. Learn more or start shopping at thepleasurechest.com. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Lauren Emily. In addition to having written two YA novels, Lauren writes erotica for Balesa.co and contributes to Playboy and Self. Her work also appears in Bust, Between the Covers, a bookstore erotica anthology, and the newly released Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 5, which is so sexy and so fun. The whole book is, and your story really really struck me. Thank, Thank you for joining you. me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So our, our mutual friend and colleague, Rachel Kramer Bussell, she put this together. Uh, she's an incredible editor, uh, yes. very well known in this in this industry, asked authors to get as wild and over the top as they could with their stories. And she said that people really exceeded her expectations. That's awesome. What was your process like choosing your story? Because she called yours a portrait of a specific subculture, the world of aerialists in the lesbian public sex extravaganza. <laughs> it's called Spin. It's called Spin. Um, so I have trained as an aerialist since 2016. Um, uh person I was performing with like several years ago, who's now a good friend, had just started a full-time circus school program. And I was like, that's a thing you can do. Um, and the school she was at also offered rec classes just for adults who wanted to come in. And um, I started on aerial silks, which is like the big long things of fabric you see in Cirque du Soleil. I also did Lyra, which is aerial hoop and which tears the hell out of your hands, FYI. Um, <laughs> And then I got into sling, which is kind of a combination of both. It's a big loop of fabric that can hold up to 800 pounds. So there can be two people in it. And often in shows and things like that, you do see what's called duo, which is when there's more than more than one person in it. And um, so my two protagonists in Spin are Soraya and Chloe. They have attended uh, full-time circus school, which is where they met. They are now professional circus performers doing a show in an old renovated church, which is not an unusual place to have a circus school because the rafters are really high and you need to have that for rigging and things like that. And you have to have like stable stuff. So like, you know, you're not falling 40 feet to the ground. So they are above ground and... Um, hooking up for the first time after being friends for years. So it's sort of, uh, um, Soraya thought her love for Chloe was unrequited, and it turns out it isn't, and she finds out in the most outrageous possible way. And in the most public way, which yes. is very exciting. <laughs> and one thing I love about this book is that each story, you know it's going to get really steamy, yes. and you don't know when, and you don't know exactly how. And the anticipation with your two characters and, you know, getting into the mind of of the main character who's having all these curiosities and fantasies and even credits this other person for bringing out uh, attraction to women. Yeah. Uh, but it had been the secret. Yeah. <laughs> I really love 
I love when other types of relationships become lovers. Um, friends to lovers is has always been one of my favorite tropes, even before I started writing erotica. Um, and that shows up a lot in my YA as well. Um, but my very first published story for Balesa, which was my first published piece of fiction, period, was um, not only based on a real experience, but it was um, co-workers to lovers for one night. So so you really like that there's a familiarity and this like secret crush and yes. these turn on feelings, uh, which is enticing for sure. I, I think so. And I think... What I've always found fascinating is just finding a whole other side to somebody once your relationship, whatever it may have been, like takes takes an unexpected turn. Can we talk about your decision to start writing erotica? I feel like this is a really common interest or curiosity that people have. A lot of people haven't taken that leap. What was that process like for you? Well, it was... um... (laughs) I, I think I have kind of a unique way that I got into erotica. Um, I've been writing YA for my first novel came out in 2017, and my second YA novel will be out in almost exactly a year from now. Um, so I've been writing that for a long time. But then um, several years ago, I had a one night stand with a former coworker. Um, <laughs> and it was. Very, it wasn't the first time I'd slept with him, but it was very, very unexpected the way it came about. And looking back, like I knew it wasn't going to turn into anything else, which was fine, but it also kind of fulfilled some needs I didn't know I had, like not just physically, but someone being in tune with what I wanted and asking me how I felt at every turn. And the the people I'd been with before, like, were not so great about that. Um, So a few months after I had this night with him, I was like, I need to preserve this even if it's just for me. So I basically, I changed around some details um, because I was like, if this ever does get out, like um, there are no names in the story. There are just pronouns used. Um, And I had a couple people look it over, including a friend of mine who actually lives out here in Los Angeles now. And she's a romance author. And she like gave me good feedback, really loved it. But at the time, it was kind of like, there's no place that wants to publish this. Like, it's like 2,000 words of this really smutty, like, I still surprise myself when I read it again, um, of just this just this moment in time. And then in 2017, so almost exactly three years ago, I got an email from my sister um, saying, this friend of mine posted a thing. This new site is looking for erotica writers. And I know, like, you've done that a couple times, so might just want to look into it. Um, and so I I emailed them. I said, I have this. I don't know if you want it. A week later, I hear back from uh, Jane Renault, who is also in uh, Best Women's Erotica. Another great story. So good. Anyway. And she is just so wonderful in every way. And the email was basically, we want it. Can you write more for us? And um, until then, I I had originally been a blogger. And then I, I was a freelance writer and critic. But my fiction had never been published. And this was also at the point where I was like, this is probably never going to happen for me. So your first fiction published was Erotica. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, because as a writer myself, mm-hmm. I know that it can feel exciting and vulnerable putting anything so out vulnerable. there. When you're published for the whole world, not only to read, but to like have thoughts about yeah. <laughs> and criticize perhaps, which inevitably happens. It's what we do oh, yeah. with art, right? It is. Yep. Um, it's it's a it can feel very brave. And, you know, it was I've only written one erotica story that's in one of the anthologies. Right, right. And it was that was years into my writing career. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm curious if you had how did you feel when it went live? I texted my best friend and said, I'm going to throw up. Um, well, that about sums it up. Thank you for showing, not telling. You're like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I still remember, like, I was at I was at my day job. Um, I work in corporate America. Um, irony of ironies. Um, and I still remember where I was standing when I saw it and gone live. And yeah, I texted him. I was like, because 
Yeah, not only was it a very vulnerable and different side of me that most people had not seen and or read, but like this was based on a real experience. And um I actually had and this is a this is an office where I have I have not worked for years and years and ne- neither has the person depicted in the story, but I did have a coworker <laughs> that had that had worked with us at the time messaged me being like, is it this person, this person, or this person? Did and you I was share? like, the second one. Um, so, um, and then, uh, eventually the subject of the story found out about it. Oh. Yeah, so. How did that go? Um, well, what happened was I ran into him in public and, like, he was with somebody, I was with my sister, and it was just kind of like, oh, hi, like, whatever. I By him... the way, I wrote all about your uh, sexy right. parts. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I got a Facebook message from him the next day. It was kind of like, oh, it was nice to see you last night, blah, blah, blah. By the way, and I was like, oh, God, I know what's coming. And he's like, so someone else said this to me and said, is this you? And um, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't realize I'd put that many identifying like details in there. But um, and I said and he's like, you know, I I think it's great, actually, if it's me. And I was like, OK, yeah, it's you. And um, I think what helps is he's a writer as well. So I think like not only was he flattered, but like he kind of got it. He gets like, it. And also, I think as writers, we know that. Most fiction comes from our lives. Yes. In some way. It, I mean, not directly. Sometimes it's incredibly metaphorical. Right. Exactly. But something happens and we're inspired. So right. I could see him feeling like, oh, I was the muse. You mentioned it being full of smut. What does the word smut or smutty mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, It's, I would say graphic because that's how I write smut. But smut, I don't think necessarily has to be graphic. It's just... But I think it really goes into our feelings and desires in a way that other genres write might not. It takes a very deep dive, whatever that means to the writer. And I like that you are bringing it into this positive light too. The way you're using smut is positive because it's sort of like the word slut, for example. Oh yeah. That has been historically quite negative and derogatory and and downplaying Mm -hmm. of especially quote unquote, women's fiction, which is like a weird term in itself. Like we need our own category or whatever. Yeah. So So bisexuality Mm -hmm. is, it sounds like a theme in in many of your stories. A lot of them, Including this one. Yes. Why was that important to you? Um, Well... You're right in that it is a theme. The um, It's also a theme in my YA. Um, the heroine of my first book, Satellite, is bisexual, um, although she never uses the word because it's the whole book is kind of more of her discovery. Um, and then my forthcoming YA release, Two Winters, has two heroines, both of whom are bi. And that was deliberate on my part. There is a lot of bisexuality in my erotica. And there's a reason for that. I feel like... There is still a lot of bi erasure in both the straight and the queer communities. Um, People think it's not a real thing. They think you're experimenting. You're a slut and not in a good way. Um, And they think that if you are a cis woman who then embarks on a relationship with a cis man, surprise, you're not bi anymore, which that is something I struggled with, too, on my personal journey. It was kind of like, do people... I remember at one point when I was much less informed and much more repressed, I was like, do people say they're bi just because they think it sounds cool? And like looking back, I'm like, that's so crappy of you. And you shouldn't have you shouldn't have even thought that. But you were also trying to work it out. In and your it's own that head. internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's so internalized. Much. These messages that we hear, you know, we hear that right. now uh, still about still bisexuality. I've heard it a lot about transgender identities and um, being non-binary. Oh, what a what a funny trend. You're just trying to try something cool. And you're right. like, there's still so much repression and judgment that people don't typically choose that. Right. <laughs> and I think with the identities you mentioned as well, although I can't I can't speak for them. I think a lot of people treat it as like, oh, yeah, a trend. It's a new thing. And it's like, no, this has always been around. It's just it's changed the way we talk about it. So in terms of why I write a lot of bi queer characters, 
I I want to I want to see them more because I think I think it would have helped me in my own journey if I had read about more people like me. Um and then I think eventually I realized before I was even out myself I was like, well, this means I I need to write it and I want to help other people feel less alone and like to know that their identity is their own no matter who they are or aren't sleeping with. I so appreciate your sharing that because I think that's vital representation and, and always is so important. And as I was preparing for today, I was uh, researching bisexuality representation as a whole. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to me to find out that it wasn't until 2008 that we really had a character on TV who's bisexual. That. And that was Callie Torres on Grey's Anatomy, played by Sarah Ramirez. Oh, that's right. And what was really fascinating was that it was partly her idea. Like Shonda Rhimes wanted awesome. to have a bisexual character. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sarah Ramirez heard about that. And there's this great quote. Uh, she said, I realized I was in the unique position to be able to develop a character that made me feel seen and accepted in areas I typically found myself apologizing for my existence in. So she emailed um, Shonda Rhimes and they made it happen. And she became also... I think the longest standing, you know, oh, character who's so by and it just it, art changes the world and stories it really does change the world. And I think they they reflect our culture. They also help shape it. And I think they foster compassion in a way that Agreed. we don't get in other in other ways. You Agreed. you can academically explain to someone mm-hmm. how very and it's all true. Right. It's very true. That Absolutely. All, gender is in the mind. Yep. For example, <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with our genitals. Exactly. You can go through all these graphs and charts and lab mm-hmm. reports and all this stuff, but until you actually get to know someone, and if right. you're in a place where all of the people who are not cisgender and, and um, heterosexual relationships and all of that, mm-hmm. you don't have the exposure, you right. don't know anyone. So the right. way to know is through stories like yours. So thank you for writing it. Thank you. I have a really awesome uh, listener question. Yes. That I would like you and one of your characters to weigh in for, (gasps) if if you're both willing. (laughs) (laughs) We are. Uh, This question came from Jess, who wrote this. My partner has a penis and I have a vagina, and we both want to get better at oral sex. Previously, I was only with cis women. So even though I have heard that penises are simpler, this is new territory for me. What are your top suggestions? Oh, my gosh. Jess, you rock for sharing this question. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Hey, Jess, thanks for your question. And I think it's really great that, you know, after being with women so long that you've opened your mind because it felt right to you to do so, to be exploring with men. And it reminds me of Lisa Diamond's work on sexual fluidity, uh, because I think so often, less certainly nowadays than before, but often I think people think of sexuality and sexual orientation um, is, is sort of identity and it's rigid and that's true for some and and in fact often for many but not for everyone and so certainly when you're new to anything as I always say we never start as expert right so have fun again it's about the energy right have fun play so some basic techniques I want to um, share with you and then of course give you some resources you know it really starts with the energy and the enthusiasm you know the sense of I'm really looking forward to um, having your dick in my mouth or making you come Right, really just giving a sense of that not only is this for his pleasure, but that you get pleasure in giving him pleasure. And the other thing, which I think is we have to not forget, is the practical, which is finding a comfortable position and or having to make adjustments um, when and if after time you find that the position is no longer comfortable for you. Um, a third thing I would say is, again, it's sort of about the anticipation, the buildup. I always sort of say, you know, we want to build arousal before you in a sense. So what this could look like is in a sense, you know, I've heard referred to as like the goody trail or the kiss trail, but you could start up like at the nape of his neck and work his way down, working your way down, kissing, maybe sucking, caressing all the way down to then get his pubic hair. And again, it's important maybe to include sort of his balls and his testes and really just use your hands and your mouth and do some exploration. Um, And then it's really to play with the sense of rhythm and speed. Another thing I think is important is, you know, in terms of anatomy, um, you know, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, when you 
if it was uncircumcised when you retract the foreskin, it is the frenulum, which is the underside of his penis that is the most sensitive. So again, you can, you know, use your lips and make a ring around them um, and, and sucking and recognizing that this is a very important and very sensitive part of his penis, but also using the full base. And I would often say in the role of the hands, you know, so often people think about the role of deep throating. It's like, okay, it's if, if you're choking or gagging, that's not going to be sexy for either of you. So, you know, take in as much as is comfortable, but then again, have one hand at the base and use your other hand to help with the mouth and the stroking, again, the speed and the pressure. Um, and then it's, of course, a decision whether or not you want to swallow or spit. And, you know, I think it's important we feel the um, that it's a choice point to see what you're comfortable with, and that might change, right? It may not be the same all the time. So, you know, those are some of the basics. And two books that I would recommend for you, one is called Blow Him um, by Marcy Michaels and Marie DeSalle. And what I really like about this one is, in addition to sort of the basics on oral sex, um, Marcy actually is a speech pathologist. Um, so she gives very good sort of techniques for mouth and tongue muscle exercises, you know, because it's not every day you get that kind of detailed information from a professional linguist on how to train and strengthen and co coordinate basically every muscle that you're going to need for giving good oral sex. So that I think is a unique book from that perspective. Um, and the other one is Going Down by Nikki Talbot because it's an illustrated guide to giving him the best blowjob of his life. Again, illustrations, videos, all of those. I mean, we're all different learners. Some of us learn best by reading, others by watching. Um, so figure out what is your best learning style. And if you have any questions, definitely follow up with me because as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. She brought up some really good points. Totally. What character of yours, <laughs> I know you have many that live in you. I do. Tell us about the character and, and what they'd recommend. Um, I was actually thinking of my first story, We Just Worked Together, which you can read on Belessa.co, um, because the female character basically like were in her head the entire time that this uh, encounter is happening. <laughs> And there is uh, there's a blowjob at one point, and she talks about just always having been self conscious about that, which I I think is something a lot of a lot of people who have gone down on a penis share. Um, and for me, it's 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 still kind of a learning process when it comes to going down on a penis. But uh, this character who doesn't have a name in this story, but then we made it a serial and she ended up being named Evie. Um, she's able to just kind of feel in the moment. It's not the first act that takes place, which I think, which I think is important to note and kind of goes along with like buildup is really good. And it's also at the point where she feels like she wants to rather than she has to, which... I think is really key, and I think the I think uh, Jess is like way ahead, right there. I think just enthusiasm and intent and wanting to please your partner. Um, I would say both Evie and I would echo the advice to just kind of get out of your own head, which easier said than done. But but just just be in the moment and realize like this is. This is someone you want to please, and ideally, and it sounds like in this situation, this is someone who's intent on pleasing you as well. Absolutely. I love what you just said about really focusing on the pleasure and the experience yes. and not so much. It's easy to let ourselves judge ourselves. Right. And so to notice those thoughts but not let them take over. Um, in my Girl Boner book, I talk about um, presence over performance Oh, I like that. Which I think is really big in all types of sex. But in, in particular with, with oral sex, because I think a lot of the depictions, a lot of people learn about it from maybe watching porn, for example. Right. And that is supposed to be very visual. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's right in front of the <laughs> camera. So it's not it's not what you're going to be able to necessarily right. you know, recreate in the right. bedroom. Um, I also really like for people who are new newer to oral sex or even every new partner it's going to oh, yeah. be different every oh, yeah. everybody regardless of the genitalia right i think flavored lube and body candies can be really fun 
as a way to just sort of, especially if you're concerned, some people are like, I'm not sure about this is a new flavor for me or or they're self-conscious of their own smell or flavor, even though all natural. I always say pussy should smell like pussy, all of that. Um, But at the same time, it's. It's not a bad thing to go, oh, this oh, yeah. might add some fun. Oh, yeah. Um, or it just might make me more comfortable. And then also eye contact can be cool during can be oral. very cool. Don't you think? So cool. Like yes. super intimate. Not the whole time. You don't have to, like, crick your neck. Oh, no. I think the whole time would probably literally kill me. But, but yeah, like, a significant, like, look up once in a while is really nice. I remember one time, um, I think it became not, I'm going to give this person a blowjob, but this person is looking for a condom, and I'm just feeling good, so I'm going to start sucking them off. And um, almost got them a little too far, but... I think back to that moment where it was like, oh, like, I was really relaxed. It was something I wanted to do. And I just, I felt, I felt very comfortable with, with that partner. It's so, fun. When you, so when you fun. make it fun and you make it about yes. your own pleasure too. Yes. It's very different for a long time. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy going down on anyone. Same. I was just like, this is what you're supposed to do Same. to make this person feel. And it's not like someone was forcing me, thank goodness. And I know that that oh, happens. Right. And oh, that's yeah. a completely different scenario. But when you are... You just feel like, oh, this is, we hear, oh, this is all they want, for example, which mm-hmm. also is not true, by the way. Not true at all. Of all genders and genitalia, exactly. oral is not everyone's favorite. No, I feel like that really gets, especially for people with vulvas, yes. like that must be your favorite thing, the go-to, and it's all you ever want. <laughs> I feel like that's... I, I mean, for me, yes, but... <laughs> and that's cool, too. And I think... Right, but not everyone. And I, I think that message comes from the pendulum swing of no one going down on vulvas. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> Which is also a thing because I hear from people who are like, my partner never goes down on me and I want them to. Wow. What is that like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you don't know. So I personally feel that writing erotica is a really wonderful way, whether you're planning to put it out there publicly. Sure. Uh, have any aspirations at all to publish, I think it can really enhance our own sense of sexual empowerment, our totally. sex lives. It can, totally. as Dr. Megan Fleming often says, <laughs> turn or keep your sexy pilot light on. I love that. Isn't that fun? That like, is just so to fun. keep it flickering and at the surface because we can, it can get bogged down with, oh, you know, yeah. layers of stress and all these other things. And there's, it's so sexy. To write it. I mean, isn't it? Like, my palms are sweating thinking about writing. Mine are, too. Oh, my gosh. High sweaty five. It's high sweaty five. But, I mean, the thing for me, too, is um, you mentioned porn earlier. And, you know, there is a lot of great stuff out there. I wish I enjoyed it more. I have found I am not a visual person. And for a long time, I, I was kind of like, okay... I don't I don't think I like porn. What is wrong with me? Which, you know, we could we could go with that all day long. But um, but for me, erotica and even like I got I got into even reading it through like erotic romance, like romances with really um, with really in-depth sex scenes. And I was like, oh, like, I really like this. Maybe like this is how I I channel all of that logging and desire and it was like oh oh they do that oh maybe maybe i could do that so yes so yeah and writing just kind of supplemented that even more before i even because i didn't write my first story with an idea of being of being published but it was something i wanted to remember and maybe some stuff i wanted to remember for the next time or the next partner that's really beautiful and i really appreciate that you brought up that it was and remains more appealing to you than visual porn because one is not superior no, than not the other. All. And we hear, we still hear a lot more about porn. And yes. it's probably more likely that we'll just sort of fall into porn, right? Like right. it'll show up somewhere. And erotica, I think, is such a, a wonderful place. And again, for people of all genders, I feel like Agreed. we also have this idea that it's only for women somehow. Agreed. Which is so not true, right? So not so true. So if you're a guy who's reading it, first of all, yay, we love it. Yay. Sweaty high fives for you too. Sweaty high fives for you too. And I think it's a great thing for couples and, you know, relationships. Oh, absolutely. Don't you think? Absolutely. What are some of your top tips for someone who wants to write erotica for the first time? Again, regardless of if they're thinking of publishing. Sure, sure. Um... I would say if you want to start with an experience you've had, um, that can kind of, for me, that was an easier segue than trying to come up with a scenario that was all new to me. Um, 
so if if that works and like don't put pressure on yourself just kind of kind of just this this is going to sound very silly but just kind of let it flow like and you can the nice thing about erotica is like you can start in somebody's head and then be in the other person's head or you can start with a moment which is often what i do even now writing my erotica even when like my characters are more fully fleshed out um and just uh Read stuff like Belissa.co, shameless plug, uh, best women's erotica, shameless plug. Sometimes that has really helped get my creative juices flowing and maybe some others. Um, but but yeah, it's um it's kind of all around you if you know where to find it. And and again, just uh, yeah, whether you're journaling or whether you've got an eye on being published, I would say if uh if you end up going the route I did and you get something published that is based on a real experience, um, just keep in mind, you may want to alter names and details just to protect the other person's privacy. Like the the person depicted and we just work together, I've never said their name publicly. And that's that is how it's going to stay. Um, but uh, but yeah, just uh, just have fun with it. If you're interested, do it. Type it. Write it down on a napkin, like put it in a journal. Just just go for it. I think it can be really beneficial for anyone of any sexuality and gender to to write down their desires. You mentioned journaling. I think that's yes. a, a really brilliant place to go with it, especially if it's new and you're maybe turning to erotica for something to deepen your sexual self-discovery, for example. I think it's a really powerful way to take the pen to the paper. And as you said, take a moment. The story that I wrote uh, for the anthology last year was also a real experience that that I turned into something much more. Nice. And I think that's a really fun way to take something that's real from your life and maybe... I don't know if challenge is the right word, challenge your own boundaries, but like mm-hmm. stretch and see what feels, yes. because it also might lead you to something you actually want to try in your Agreed. real life. Also, it's important to know that just because you're writing about it doesn't mean you're doing all of these things. You know, can I tell you that is I have had so many dudes awkwardly <laughs> hit on me by thinking that because I mean, this is I do talk pretty openly about my first published story was was based on something real. The rest of them, it'll be like a feeling I had or an experience I had, but they're not as grounded in reality. But I have had so many dudes be like, I had one go, I'm supposed to be picturing you when I read all these, aren't I? And I was like, uh, thanks for insinuating I have no creativity, but okay. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's just like, I'm Maybe not... that speaks to the power of your writing, oh, of being you. so real. Thank I'm going to give this this guy the credit uh, or the benefit of the doubt. Go for it. And hope <laughs> that he was just feeling, this is feeling so real to me. It must be about me and not just assuming that all, you know. Um, I actually, yeah. one of the best compliments I ever got on my writing was um, someone saying, when I read your writing, I can hear you talk, which is really beautiful and something I have carried with me. Um, So yeah, you might be right there. I will also say, um, whether it's writing erotica or writing anything, the most common thing I've had people come to me with is, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, you just have to start. It's like exercise. It's like any habit. Like once you put pen to paper, which I think is a great way to get into it, or, you know, once you start typing, if you're more comfortable with that. In my case, it was very hard to stop. Ditto. Yeah. Yeah. I I literally have not. Yeah. Stopped. I mean, yeah, all the time I'm writing. Not always erotica. I write. I'm mostly nonfiction now. But but I think the starting, you're right. They say it's the the hardest part of starting a car is starting it, right? Like the hardest part of – and I think one of the reasons it feels so difficult is that people think they have to sit down and write Shakespeare or something just really – this is just a classic, beautiful, perfect thing. And I think allowing ourselves to A, suck. Oh, yeah. Puns embraced. That's a huge part of it. Two – I I personally – and not everyone feels this way. Unless you're a poet or – your writing skills and your craft is very much about like painting pictures with words and and right. that's the most important thing. I personally feel that we should not be trying to 
impress people with our sentences and our Agreed. words and talking. Because I think that that can also come across as talking above someone. So much. So if we're actually thinking connection. Yes. And in fiction, I think that means authenticity. Like Agreed. putting yourself, because I was an actress before I pursued uh, writing. I'm an actress too. Yay. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Don't you feel it's a, there's a really good synergy? Because I still, the things that I loved about acting, mm-hmm. I have and more so. In, in writing. Same. Because you get to sit in character. Same. Right? Yes. It's beautiful to be able to just like live in another, yes. you know, and, and let that take over. Yes. And guide Agreed. you. Agreed. I'm a stage actress in Chicago, actually. Um, not like on a huge scale or anything, but I didn't act for a very long time. And then honestly, once I started getting published is also when I got cast in a play again for the first time in like over a decade because I was like, you know what? I really miss this. Honestly, I think being a writer has made me a better actor, too, because it is it's inhabiting the character. It's being able to get into other people's it to to get into other people's heads and just kind of play that out so others can relate to it. And they've really fed into each other really well. I've, I've found. Yeah. With, <laughs> without having to let go the way that I don't know if you've done any film or TV, but when I moved to Los Angeles, that's mm-hmm. what I was doing. Oh, yeah. And I look back now and I think, wow, I. I obviously really was passionate about what I was doing mm-hmm. because it didn't bother me that I would spend, you know, hours, maybe weeks, definitely days working on a character for a particular audition. Sure. A lot of my characters were like the dumb blonde. And I can't tell you how many descriptions had boob size, like whether oh, I, I was supposed imagine. to have perky boobs. So I'd like try to push them up or I was supposed to be like the exotic brainy, but secretly beautiful exotic. I mean, just like the no weird description. <laughs> right. I mean, just like very um, oh appearance God. focused, all this stuff. And that stuff did get to me a bit, but I always tried sure. to give characters depth when I couldn't see it on the description. Oh, yeah. um, but you go in and I remember this one of my last auditions. I went in and I had just I was already very close to quitting acting for mm-hmm. writing because I fell in love with writing like hard. I know how that is. <laughs> and I I just hyper focused on it ever since. But that moment I just I remember going in and I'm like, I'm gonna give this my all. I was trying to be grown up. You still have additions and agents. Just go sure. out and do these things for now. And I went in and it was a really dramatic, heavy, something involving death and oh just my God. so all of us it was me and maybe 10 other people just crying. At the time, it was iPods. We all had our little earbuds in, and we're, like, sobbing, like, getting ready to cry. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I paid for coaching. Like, I was giving it my all. And then this known actress walked in, was buzzed right past oh, us all, and I was next. And instead, oh! she got to go in, and she was in there for, like, an hour. Oh, God, that's the And then worst. by the time I went in, I didn't even do all the scenes. I did, you know, I yeah. memorized all the stuff. And um, to have to just let go of these characters. And with writing, you can you can really embrace and yes. live with these characters. Yes. Have you had any characters that were more difficult to move uh, move forward from? I mean, I, they can stay with us, but... Um, I mean, right now I am doing uh, the first round of edits for my YA novel that will be out next year. So... Um, For those, like, publishing is such a weird business, but for those not as familiar, like, for a novel, if you're working with a publisher, you typically do, like, two or three rounds of edits before the book comes out. So a lot of those characters in that novel, like, I'm still with them, like, very much so. Um, One of them is... uh, for the first half of the book, and this is based on the Shakespeare play The Winter's Tale, so she is based on a Shakespeare character, so a lot of drama, Um, but she is a 17-year-old repressed bisexual Catholic schoolgirl, so... You really like these. (laughs) There's, like, this religion slash... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Catholic, this is what happens to you. Um, but, uh, But, yeah, she's one where, like... It was both, when I was writing the first draft, it was both very easy to get into her head. She's also based on a Shakespearean character I've played. So it's very easy to get in her head, and it's hard to let go of her. Hmm. Um, I would also say Evie from We Just Worked Together on Balesa.co uh, was a harder one to let go of because she is, um, for Balesa, I've not only done standalone stories, but I've done like five or seven part serials where like I did follow certain characters. And Evie is the one who is the most like me, 
not necessarily now, but me as I was several years ago when I was still kind of finding out who I was sexually, like I'd let go of a toxic ex and he had been my primary partner. And it was just like, there was a lot I had to unlearn and relearn. And a lot of it was very fun, but a lot of it could, there's a, there's a part in the serial where like the two characters hit a roadblock because it's like, were, and this was not inspired by real life. Like once part two started, it was, they were kind of doing their own thing, which characters do. But, um, it was, okay, like, where do we go from here? Because we're having feelings, but we're kind of, we have different, like, qualms about about moving forward with this. So I could really relate to, like, her inner angst. And then once she just really gives in to, to what she wants, not at the expense of everyone else, but, like, it's sometimes it's not as scary to move forward as you might think. That's a great message to take away. And I think that that comes across in a lot of erotica because people are letting go of inhibitions. So much. How has erotica writing impacted your own sexual journey? Oh, uh, so, so, so much. (laughs) It, um, I mean, first with reading it before I ever even had an eye toward writing it in any sort of way – it was really interesting to see not only people, women, with their own sexual agency, but just, you know, whether it was a one-night stand or, like, a long-term relationship, just being with partners who really cared about their pleasure. And I know romance and erotica, there's still so much stigma. And But once you dive into that world, it's like, oh, my God, there are these great characters and scenarios, and it's inspiring. Um and it's it's inspired me as well. Um, I've I actually I've had threesomes. I've done group sex in very safe consensual environments with heavily vetted people um, because that's how I feel safe. And this came after you started writing it erotica. It so did. it sounds like the writing of it. Did you write about these scenarios first, or it was the exploring characters and their fantasies led you to tap more into yours? It's the second one because I remember kind of not only always being curious about threesomes, but being curious about writing about them. But that for me, and this is this is for me, this is not like universal advice, was I needed to experience it myself. Um just so I could I could really put myself in the situation. Um I haven't experienced everything my characters do, but to an extent I've experienced a lot of it. And that's just been important to me for authenticity's sake. Because you're like, do you want to be part of my research? Oh my God. I, I Do you maybe... ever tell anyone like um <laughs> I really want to try this because I'm gonna write about yes, it. I have done that. Um That's a beautiful way to practice consent, I have to say. I think so. Not um... that you have to be I mean, you know, we all have our fantasies and oh, I don't right. think you have to tell every person this might end up in erotica, but Oh, exactly. But if you were if that was the only reason, of course. Right. Then bring it up exactly i have a friend actually who um i was i was inspired by something we had experienced to write this one story and he now calls it his yelp review which i love i'm like yes call this your yelp review he can put it on his uh tinder profile exactly exactly so um so yeah i think it's a and you know it's it's sometimes a good segue in that um you know, I I am up for exploring in, you know, the right circumstances and the right parameters. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing that. Thank you. It's really interesting to me to read about sex in books that are not erotic. Yeah. Or to see it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are, I used to go to a lot of thriller conferences because I wrote a thriller. Oh. And... There were several panels on people would read the bad sex scenes out loud oh from God, stories because imagine. there's still so much anxiety for a lot of people. Yep. They're writing these gritty stories or maybe it's even a cozy mystery. But the the sex scenes that drive me nuts are oh they go into the bedroom, the door closes, and then it's morning. And you're like, yeah. where's all the fun part? What did you do yeah. that for? I want to know what happened. 
happened. Um, no, actually, I uh, I took a four week class several years ago from a teacher I absolutely love in Chicago, and it was on writing sex. And it wasn't on writing erotica. It was about just writing sex scenes in literature. And like we studied different scenes, like we did writing exercises. And I actually came out of it with a piece that was my first story in Bust. But that was a nice side effect. But I really liked that class and she continues to offer it. And I think I think it's something a lot of authors should consider because I think a lot of people think writing a sex scene is easy. And it is not. It's not at all. <laughs> and what are some of the things that you see, like descriptions that are just... I mean, I think the thing I see the most is just um, non-consent and not in the, like, non-con play way. Um, I'm in a Facebook group of, like, romance and erotica writers, and we have talked about this a lot, where, like, yeah, a lot of real ambiguous consent scenarios. Um, and consent can be given in different ways. Like, it... It can be nonverbal, like depending on the partner in the situation, but it's just like, I don't know, just sometimes, and he took her from behind with a force or whatever. It's like that, that cannot, that can come off like not good. So um, I would ask more people to, to think about that. That's really important. I so important. almost wonder, actually, I think I'm pretty sure already that more authors who if, if that's not a comfortable topic to write about or maybe mm-hmm. you haven't experienced certain things that you want to write about sexually, mm-hmm. hire a sensitivity reader. Oh, hire some, an, a sex educator, now. a sex writer. Yeah. There's two of us right here. Um, I was going to say, we're, like, we're available. I have a PayPal. Like, <laughs> let's talk. Yeah. I mean, always looking for a side hustle here. Yes. But, but yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've been in writing workshops where, like, we did look over, like, sex scenes each of us had written, and I think everybody came away better better for it. So, yeah, it's nothing wrong with getting another set of eyes on it from someone who who might know a little bit more than you about it. Yes, for sure. So Best Women's Erotica of the Year Volume uh, 5 is the one that your story is in. Correct. And I believe another volume, oh, Volume 7, is going to be, uh, or it's now accepting submissions. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest to someone who's like thinking about that? Tell us about your process submitting and and kind of your process, the benefits of working with Rachel and all that. Oh my gosh. Okay. How much time do you have? (laughs) She's great. Well, um, this, you might not want to do what I did, which is write the whole story in 36 hours. Um, Because I was going back and forth about submitting because I'm a freelance writer as well. I am and I have a day job. I am always working under deadlines. And it was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I can think of anything outrageous. Because the great thing about a theme is it can narrow things down, but it can also mean a whole ton of possibilities that are overwhelming. And, you know, I tend to get very into my head. I'm like, what's something that hasn't been done? Blah, 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 blah. And then I think I was at an aerial class and I was like, wait, I've never seen I've never seen a story with aerialist sex. Like a lot of aerial duos are cis women. I'm like, yeah, let's let's give this a try. Like so I yeah, I wrote the whole thing while like doing my day job and training and um just getting other deadlines done. And, you know, it got to be where I was eating in front of my laptop just to make sure I could get it in on time. Um, and it was really, it was a gamble. It was also at the point where, like, I write for Belessa and, like, I'm, you know, friends with my editor at Bus now. And it was kind of like, okay, like, if it doesn't go here, it can go somewhere else. And I think, like, I took some comfort in that. But, um, yeah, I was writing on the bus. Like, I just had to get it done. I also work well under deadlines, which I think helped. Deadlines do help. And I think anyone so who has thought about writing and maybe professionally writing mm-hmm. and they haven't done it yet, deadlines are how, like my first short story turned into my first novel. You just nice. never know. Yeah, and I think deadlines don't. are huge. Most, huge. a lot of people work well under that, that pressure, at least having the goal. Exactly. And I, and I think that's huge. I believe she's accepting um, submissions through May 1st. So I will put a link uh, in the show notes for anyone who's Perfect. interested. And and I do hope lots of you consider that. And even if you just want to write the story and then decide whether you'll submit it or not, do it. 
you there's no one has to read the first thing you write. I think that's oh, a really important not. thing to remember. Huge. You talked earlier about like don't be afraid to suck and like I've also had people come to me and say but like but my writing's not like yours. It sucks. I'm like, do you really think I didn't suck when I started out? Like, my best friend read my very first novel, and he is the only one who will ever read it because it's horrible, but it's how I learned to write a novel. Right. So many of us write by doing, I think. And, exactly. And also, when you're really into it, it feels like it's the best thing ever. Exactly. And you're like, this is so great. And then maybe you'll look back at it. I can't I have such a hard time going back to old writing. Oh, no. Because you want to change everything because hopefully yes, we're always do. growing. Exactly. So no matter where people are on their journey, I think exactly. it'd be great to to check out. I'm not sure what all the um, – I know she gives specific, like, themes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, she's so very that detailed out. about that. Um, and just talking about working with Rachel, it's been absolutely wonderful. She is – she's very – I know you're nodding over here because she's lovely. She's very thorough. She's very communicative. And she really gets where – because she is a writer herself, she really gets where you're coming from as a writer. And that is so, so, so important for an editor and – I would recommend if you get the chance to work with her, do it. Yes, and people of color and queer writers to the front. Yes, she's to very the front, very inclusive, and mm-hmm. wants to. There's a, there's a social justice feel to a lot of yes her work that I really appreciate, and not in a way that is preachy, no, but in a way that again is stories. Yes, that people learn from and see yes. themselves in, yes. and or learn about others through. So, Huge. big shout outs to, to Rachel and to all the writers. Congratulations on this book and Thank your story. You. Where can people learn more about you and read? some of your erotica um so a lot of my erotica is up at uh, balesa.co um i would i would not direct people toward my web- website at this point because i really need to update it but um i am on facebook as lauren emily writes i am on twitter as lauren emily rye w-r-i um didn't think that through I am also on Instagram where you can see my aerial photos and videos as well at Lauren Emily Writes. I can't wait <laughs> for that. Would you share one last bit of advice for anything related to sexual empowerment, something that's either been meaningful to you, sure. learned along the way, something you want listeners to, to take away? Um, one of the best compliments I ever got on, uh, on my sexual performance was, you're enthusiastic and open. And I would say, be enthusiastic and open. This was also at a point where I wasn't super experienced. So that meant a lot to me. Don't, you know, we've all had different numbers of partners and experience. It's not a numbers game unless you want it to be, unless that helps you. Um, don't get bogged down with that. Just, just be there, be in the moment, and have fun. Hmm. <laughs> You're awesome, Lauren. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, August. And if you are enjoying this show, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't. I would love to hear from you by way of a review. You can give us a rating as well. And find the new Instagram account at Girl Boner Media. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com. 